Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. What does it take to sustain a pop music career for multiple decades? Talent? Charisma? Sheer force of will? 12-year-old singer Mariah Carey's attempts to remain in the pop cultural spotlight for over 30 years have given us some of the highest of highs and lowest of lows. Today we're discussing one of those lows, 2012's non-album single, Triumphant, parentheses, Get Em, close parentheses, and its accompanying throwback remix. <laughs> I was like, 12 years old? <laughs> That's what she says. I know, I know, I know. Does she still say that? I- I mean, I don't know that she's necessarily said it recently, but I feel like it's something that she said regularly in the past that has yeah. like stuck with her reputation. I just wonder if she's like been working on rebranding as the Queen of Christmas. Yeah. I and mean, so you can't really be the 12 year old Queen of Christmas, right? She looks grown these days. <laughs> she looks, I mean, I feel like she's been somewhat frozen in time for the past decade. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Like she's gone, she's gone through, you know, changes in her appearance over the years, but she's remained relatively stable, I think, for the last 10 years. Yeah, always sort of like mermaid gown, uh, kind of like a sparkly skin tight gown situation with sleeves. Yeah, I feel like when did when did she start looking like this? I feel like there was like. E equals MC squared, maybe? No, you know what? Because Memoirs, man, that Memoirs album cover is like yeah. iconic. Flop mm-hmm. album, but so iconic. The that three album was so good, though. Oh, but I think it was... Many people beg to differ on that. Well, many people are wrong. <laughs> um, my, my, I mean, E equals MC squared is like my top of the um, latter days. The one where she's just holding the, uh, the feather... She's sort of holding like a fur boa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the it's they all look the same to me now because she yeah. always has the one arm arched over her head and the one side of her face. One side of her face, the only side of your, her face that you're allowed to see. Mariah mm-hmm. Carey, infamous for having only one good side. I mean, she made that a thing. She did make it a thing. She was able to get TV interviewers to switch their entire setup so that she could sit on the other side. Of the interviewer mm-hmm. like i think andy cohen for watch what happens live he changes the whole stage setup so that he sits on the side that the guests normally sit on because mariah needs to sit on like the um the house left side so from yeah, the audience it's like perspective. the right side of her face right is the yeah side. which i get you know like back in the side part days when we had side mm-hmm. part hair i think mm-hmm. when you have like a side part Mariah has a center part though. But when you have a side part, like when I had a side part, I only liked my three quarter profile from the side where the short side, Mm -hmm. where the short side was facing camera. Because if you face the other way, your, your hair part looks weird. It looks crazy. Yeah. Mm. So we feel you on that Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, welcome. Hello. Welcome. Happy New Year. It'll be Happy Happy New New Year Year when this posts. Um, Coming to you from the future. Yes. New Year, new Mimi. Um, And my resolution to be more prepared for this podcast has gone completely uh, a full 180. Well, 
you did mention the topic a week ago, which did inspire my topic, which it's got, I am it, not prepared for. And so. it's it's in the it's in the water. I've had this percolating in me, in my heart, in my spirit. I just haven't actually written any of that down in preparation for recording today. That's okay. You know what? This is Mariah Carey. We could wax poetic on Mariah Carey for days, years, months. I mean, this is our fifth. Our fifth episode featuring Mariah Carey, if I'm counting correctly. She's an ever-flowing font of inspiration. True. Truth. Um, Ever-bubbling? Yeah. You know what another resolution could be? To um, like and subscribe and do yes, all that stuff? Okay. yes, on our <laughs> socials at Flop Redeemer at uh, Instagram and on Facebook and um, Twitter and all of the things. Okay, those are the only things we're not on TikTok or anything like that. Um, no. but you know, you can uh, send us your comments, your feedback, your suggestions to uh, Flop Redeemer at gmail.com, and uh, we promise you we will read the email. I just wanted to add that I got an email. Mm. Um, from Spotify, not not directly to us. But it was like a mass email, but Spotify Spotify's is like Barry. No, no. Well, I think you know it, they have the mail merge, whatever, mm. for their email blasts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Spotify is launching, I think, ratings for podcasts. Like you know how, like on Spotify, mm. like their 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 support for podcasts has been, has been developing slowly over time. They don't have the full feature of functionality just yet, but they are now supporting. Um, ratings star ratings so if you feel so so inclined and you're listening to us on spotify we have been um encouraged to encourage our listeners to give us a rating hopefully it's decent yeah or or if not like just let us know (laughs) email us before you have anything to say about our star rating um okay let's go let's go to break Um, okay. Um, okay. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Just like Mariah. Just like Mariah. We're back talking about Mariah. Our, As I said, our fifth Mariah episode. Um, we've talked pretty in depth, I think, about the different major phases of her career. Like we did an episode about the beginnings of her career and her early kind of struggles to establish like how how much of a pop singer she was, how much of an R&B singer she was, was she gospel, you know, establishing her identity in those early years. Um, We did another episode talking about the glitter years, which was her first kind of major stumble in her career, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we did a third episode um, about kind of her most recent effort, which was like, was that 2018? Caution? Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of covered like the broad strokes of her career. And we also did a, a, a reaction to the movie Glitter. So we've, mm. we've covered a lot of Mariah Carey's career. And this song that we're talking about today, Triumphant, was a non-album single. It was originally intended to be the lead single of, um, well, the album title originally was supposed to be The Art of Letting Go. It was the album that eventually became, oh God. Me, period. I am Mariah, dot, 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 the elusive Chanteuse. Did I get it right? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
the the uh, the to become that album. But this song disappears <laughs> disappears completely. Um, this, so we'll get... this song is the elusive the elusive single. I mean, the biggest thing to come out of Elusive Chanteuse, the album, is the term Elusive Chanteuse. Like, people remember that phrase, Elusive Chanteuse. You probably don't remember the album. Because it's wild. It's it's strange. It's very strange. But but in, in, in like, in a very Mariah Carey on-brand yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so, as I said, you know, Mariah Carey had a decade's worth of hits from like her debut in 1990 all the way up until what was that last album? Rainbow? 98? So she had like, uh, what was it? She had Mariah Carey, Emotions, Music Box, Butterfly, Rainbow. And then she completed her original contract with the number one's greatest uh, Uh hits album. So she's like on top of the world because she's done five hit albums she's managed to do a greatest hits compilation completely comprised of number one songs which is like an unheard of accomplishment and she switches over to um i forgot already oh virgin she 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 signs this huge i think it was a six album deal with uh virgin records 100 million dollars over 100 million dollars and that was the album deal that gave us glitter which was the huge flop we talked about that in a different episode and that's the beginning of the uncertainty of mimi (laughs) the uncertainty of mimi (laughs) yeah like because after that she um she tries to come back with charm bracelet not good I mean, no, you like it, but you like trash. So, well, was through the rain a bad song in retrospect? All these years later, we're it's now. It's not one. It's not one that I go back and listen to, because the struggle is there. I guess maybe she's trying to make it through the rain, but you know, she's the vocal struggle. The vocal struggle. I mean, like okay. it's, there's a little bit of strain in the rain. I mean, you um, know, she's she's always she's always said that that was the intention. Like that's. That was the vocal performance that she intended to do. Like of people don't understand how hard it is to make your voice sound thinner and more warbly than it actually is. Yeah. No, I know. But okay. So through bringing on the heartbreak, amazing cover. That's a, that's a better song. Yeah. 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 Um, but that begins the narrative of like, okay, Mariah Carey, maybe not as a surefire hit as we had been thinking Virgin Records obviously regrets their decision. They cut ties with her. They just are like, you know what? You can have like a percentage of this chunk of money just to like disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Like go away. Be elusive. Yes. And that's where like she does her big comeback in 2005 with the emancipation of Mimi. She gets a new record deal with Island Def Jam. It's like that by Jermaine Dupree. She just, uh, what was the, oh my gosh. The big one. Them chickens and ash. It, uh, them chickens is ash and I'm lotion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the, we belong together. Yes. Um, you know, was it don't forget about us? Was that also on was, the that was on Eagles MC Squared? Okay. So I remember it being like the emancipation of Mimi came out. People were like, the voice is back. Like she's got a new team. I think she at that point she was with LA Reed at Island Def Jam. Um, you know, she had re-teamed up with Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree, I feel like, was given a lot of credit for the the sonic reshaping that occurred between Charm Bracelet and Emancipation. 
Well, he did all his best work for Mariah and then didn't leave anything for Janet. Poor Janet. We'll get, we'll get there. Jan- his wife. His wife. They were married, right? No. Or did, are they just engaged to be married? Just, yeah. Did they, they wait, they, that wasn't one of her secret marriages? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, she followed up Emancipation with E equals MC squared in 2008. That one, that one for me, E equals MC squared. That is my like latter days Mariah top album. I think that there's a song on there. Uh, I'll be loving you. I'll be time. loving you long time. Amazing. Amazing. That is my favorite. Touch my body. You don't like that made, song? Made famous by uh, Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. if, I, if, I find, if I can find that video of Aretha Franklin um, doing a cover of Touch My Body by Mariah Carey, I'll have to post that. Um, I'm That Chick. Love that song. I think For I, the I, Record is pretty good, too. I stand love. I, I love this album. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that's that's neither here nor there because she returns to form. And by returning to form, I mean that she flops again. In 2009, with Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel. Which is, that's mine. <laughs> it's your favorite, That's Mariah. mine. Hate You, uh, Ribbon, Inseparable. It's I mean, you rap. know what's funny? I don't remember a More lot of the songs. Friends. I don't remember a lot of the songs. More Than Just Friends is good. I, but it's you, got a nice throwback feel to it. Okay. But you know what, people? I was surprised when I was reading back about this era of her career that one of the things that people disliked about Memoirs was that there were no rap features on it. Which I was like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's so funny that that kind of became like a signature of Mariah's. Like, I feel like she's often credited as originating that musical trope. Mm-hmm. With fantasy. That, yeah. That it was like unheard of for a song that was going to be played on pop radio to have a rap feature in it. Like you would have thought at the time, like our cultural uh, stance on rap music at the time was not positive, right? We were coming out of like, wasn't it Tipper Gore? Tipper Gore Ugh. on the, on the, on the hill, yeah. just, you know, leading the charge against like the ills of rap music. Yeah. Never forget. <laughs> And in that time for Mariah to be like, no, I'm going to do this, this fun song on a roller coaster. I'm going to have ODB down there on the pier. Mm-hmm. That's a good song. And it is an amazing song. And it ushered in like kind of a sub genre of music in and of itself that well, like, it's now like we a, take for it's granted. Like, it's the thing. It's, it's, how do you say it? De rigueur. <laughs> <laughs> My French is yes. perfect. Yes. Yes. Get the, get, get it. Duolingo. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about her next time. <laughs> so, um, off of the failure, I mean, okay. Memoirs wasn't like a, a failure, right? Like it still was like a billboard number three album, you know, but this still, is like still number three, number three from the woman we expect to only give us number ones. That's the thing with Mariah too, is like, I feel like she gets caught in this trap of like number one or bust. Hmm. If it's not a number one for her, it's a failure. Whereas anyone else would just be touting like, I have a top 10 single or I have a top 10 album. I have a top 20 album. You know, like that's a big achievement because hundreds of thousands of musical albums are getting released like every week, every month, every year, you know, Mm -hmm. by literal nobodies. Anyway, (laughs) in, uh, I think that like I was thinking about this timeline and in, in the aftermath of memoirs underperforming, she releases Merry Christmas to You in 2010. Not a fan. 
you know, it was a weird, it was a weird move, but you know, you mentioned it earlier that like a big part of Mariah Carey's legacy is going to be the queen of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you get this response from fans that like, Oh, this memoirs album, it doesn't feature the things about you that we have grown to love the things about you that we want from your music. You know, we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So is your next move strategically like, well, I know you want Christmas from me. <laughs> I mean, it's a surefire thing. That album was kind of untouchable. The Christmas <laughs> album, not to mention the song, um, All I Want for Christmas is You and, you know, all of that. So, I mean, sure, when you've had a string of flops, why not go back to the well? Yeah. But it, I mean, but I feel like that's kind of rough because I feel like Merry Christmas to You, it kind of besmirched the original a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was like, they, they didn't need to. Like, why would you redo these songs with a lesser voice? Yeah. Like, no one, literally no one asked for it. Mm-hmm. No one asked for it. <laughs> Nonetheless, I mean, it was still reasonably successful. I feel like the the amazing thing about this and the thing that overarchingly I was thinking about when preparing for this episode was that, like, throughout this entire time, so we've reached 2010 for Merry Christmas to You, that's... Mariah Carey's like 20th anniversary in the music industry. And she is still like on the tips of everyone's tongues. Like she is at the forefront of our pop cultural uh, consciousness, you know, 20 years Mm -hmm. later. And Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is an amazing feat. And I don't know how anyone accomplishes that regardless of the hills and valleys that occur in between. But this brings us to the, uh, elusive Chanteuse era, originally titled the Art of Letting Go era. And I was kind of, one, I was very like surprised to realize that this song is now, like it's going to be 10 years old this year. Is it? Yeah, 2012. We're, we're entering 2022. Oh, it came out that far ahead of the album? Okay, so this is the thing. Because I was like, what happened? I remember this whole this whole elusive Chanteuse era being elusive. <laughs> but um, and I was like, what was happening that all of this went on? And there was a bunch of different things that I was reading about. So basically, I think at the end of Merry Christmas to You, I think her album deal ended with oh. Island. Or maybe she was in the middle of it. Hold on. Hold, please. No, no, no. But she was she was on the verge of completing it. Like Elusive Chanteuse, I think that was going to complete her album deal with Island mm-hmm. Def Jam. Um, now, she goes into recording this, I think, in 2011. I remember that in 2012, I did hear the debut of this song. I think I was like in the car on the way to work. It was on like Ryan Seacrest. And oh. as with most Mariah things, it was like a big event. It was like, oh, the premiere of Mariah's yeah. new single. Yeah triumphant get them and it features rick ross and meek mill and i remember they played it on the radio and i was like all right this is this is okay and the song goes and it goes Uh uh-huh it's like okay there's a rick ross verse meek mill verse okay okay and the whole time i was like when does mariah's part start yeah and it never does (laughs) yeah it's like what is this it's like you know mariah carey has talked about how like the thing that she loves the most is going into the studio and creating this wall of sound 
You know, she loves layering her vocals and recording all the harmonies. Like all of her backing vocals are usually herself and how she loves that. And kind of shockingly about this song is that like, there's like one of her and she's quieter than the whole instrumental track. Like she's barely in the song at all. And the vocal performance is so timid. It's almost in that, like that breathy through the rain type of tone but this is a song about like being triumphant. And she's like, not, it's like, what is this for? Like, I remember it being like, we, she's like a feature on her own song. Exactly. And that was what everyone said. They're like, why was this even released as a Mariah Carey song when all the verses basically are rap verses? Mm-hmm. Mariah is singing the hook in the background. And then I think she has one little part at the end. And then like the chorus is obviously, but it's 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 really striking how absent she is from the whole track. Yeah, it's not. It's it's yeah. This was not. Uh, this was not a win. It was not a win. And suffice it to say that like it flopped. It was scrapped from the album. The album itself was delayed for another two years after this. <laughs> At which point, the track is gone. It's been you know rewritten in history that the lead single for Elusive Chanteuse is uh, hashtag beautiful. You know, featuring Will, which was a better move for her. Despite Much better. Despite Elusive Chantuse being another like commercial disappointment, you know, hashtag beautiful is actually like a really good song. I don't think it, it was representative of the album though. No, it wasn't representative of the album, but it's also sort of this outlier in terms of Mariah's like later day, latter day output, mm-hmm. in that it sounded current in a way that like her music typically does not like her music sounds like mariah and like you can tell they're trying to like pull her like in a modern direction but her sensibilities like you were saying her like wall of sound her like million mariah backing vocals that automatically sort of dates it Mm -hmm. or keeps it, it it doesn't even date it it's just that she's used it so much in the 2000s that like you can't help but think of it as sonically the same as we belong together you know like of that same era so it just never feels like it advances when she worked with miguel on hashtag beautiful it sounded like a song from like 2014 like it was beautiful like it's it's it's, (laughs) they work really well together um and it's it's miguel's sensibility you know with mariah's sort of with mariah's vocal and Mm -hmm. That makes all the difference, and you wonder sometimes, like, why, why didn't, why didn't she hand the reins over, you know, a little more often? But I think that song didn't even really do that well, like no. all things considered, and so no. I think that's why. But um, I, you know, as a fan, I thought it was, it was very breezy and just has all the things I love about Mariah, but mm-hmm. like updated. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, it's like. The main problem I have with, well, no, there's a lot of problems I have with Triumphant, the main version of Triumphant. The main problem I have, though, with, I guess, a lot of her, like, latter-day music, a lot of the hits, like, I don't really love We Belong Together. Mm. I don't really love Don't Forget About Us. I actually don't really love a lot of the Jermaine Dupri stuff that she was doing, mm-hmm. because I feel like the classic Mariah stuff that I like has really good, like, melodic pop vocal hooks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i think that's one of the keys to like a hit pop song is like it just has this great melody line to it 
that just gets stuck in your head. And Mariah Carey is so capable of delivering those that like in a lot of her more like, I guess it's like R and B centric music. Like that's not necessarily there, you know? Yeah. And also like when it comes to the Jermaine Dupree songs, like at this point, 2012 we're almost a decade out from no, not quite seven years. We're seven years out from emancipation. Mm. I feel like the Jermaine Dupree like moment was getting stale. Yeah. That makes sense. Like yeah. when I listen to the when I listen to the track itself for Triumphant, I'm like, this track is like it feels stale and it's almost just like I feel like we went through this big period around 2007, 2008. It happens with a lot of like RB, RB pop crossover tracks where I'm like, the track just starts to sound cheap. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think it's by intention. Like there were just certain, you know, drum machines and certain, you know. Yeah. instrumentation that they liked to use at the time that just sounded real, real like flat, cheap, plastic, not very dynamic. They're not, they're definitely not going for a live sound. They're yeah. not going for a slick sound. It's just, but that's, that's, that's what I mean too about just Mariah's sound in general for most of the two thousands is that it sounds like this weird sort of throwback. Like it's, I don't want to say it's timeless. It's hard to pin like what time period it is because it spans so long. Yeah. Right. Of like her music kind of sounding the same and it's like neither here nor there. It's not current. It's not classic. It's just like a Mariah Carey sound that just like she persists. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, this is what I'm doing. And you listen to it. You're like, okay. I mean, it's sure. Like it's, it's like wrapped in so much honey that you can't tell. Like, mm. what is it? You couldn't describe it as cool. That's for sure. Yeah. No, and that was the, that was the unfortunate part is I feel like this song came out and I was like, well, the song isn't cool. I feel like sometimes Mar- Mariah's saving grace for some of her songs can be how like witty they are or how like culturally like, I'm going to culturally invigorating, but you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes her songs have like a a certain attitude to them or like a little wink to them that just makes them feel like, Oh, this is a fun, sassy song. Like obsessed, obsessed. I'm that chick. Like there are all these songs that like the hook of it, the lyric of it, it just, it, it's, it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of stupid, but in a really great and fun way in a way that you engage with. Whereas like, you know, triumphant, the whole thing is kind of like a meaningless platitude uh-huh. <laughs> about being triumphant. Yeah. Um, which feels strangely like saccharine for, for Mariah Carey. Yeah. It just felt like checking a box. So this, so- this song launches as the supposed lead single for her forthcoming album, which was then to be titled The Art of Letting Go. Um... The single doesn't do well, but simultaneously they release a whole like mini EP full of remixes, one of which is the Vintage Throwback remix. And that's actually the version of this song that I like. And it's the version of the song that I wanted to redeem today because I feel like this single completely disappeared without people even realizing it had come out. Mm -hmm. It got no airplay. But this Vintage Throwback remix, it's weird because it opens with this almost like lo-fi hip hop synthesizer track 
Like, do you watch YouTube videos where um, it's called like lo-fi hip hop nope. for 12 hours or whatever? Oh, I've listened to that uh, Spotify station. Well, because it's a whole genre of things that like, I think that like Twitch streamers use them a lot because they're all like copyright free. Like they're just mm. people producing looped beats in like GarageBand. And then there's like the cartoon of like the girl in profile sitting at her desk working on her notebook. It's like a whole genre on YouTube, I think. And I think people use it a lot for like studying, for chilling mm. out. It's very relaxing stuff. And um, again, like Twitch streamers, I think play a lot of them because they can, they can they play can it, it broadcast it on their stream without like a copyright strike against yeah, them. Yeah. So this th- throwback remix, it kind of opens with that vibe, but then it like descends into like gay techno dance club realness. <laughs> And (laughs) again, to go into the meaningless platitudes of like the triumphant lyric of this song, I feel like it supports that better. Mm. And in true Mariah Carey fashion, I believe she completely re-recorded the vocals just for the remix. Mm -hmm. She's a woman that puts the work in. She's like, I don't want you to take my standard vocal and put some other beat under it. I hate a remix that does not take the chord progressions into um, account. I feel like a lot of dance remix, dance remixes, they they completely disregard the chord structure of the melody and they just put whatever chords they wanted to. And so the whole thing sounds mixed up because suddenly like the vocal doesn't line up with the instrumentation. But, you know, Mariah Carey, she's got her quality control eyeballs on this, (laughs) you know. So I feel like the whole remix feels like a song in and of itself. And a far superior song. So as you were saying, we had a mishap. I don't know if I'll leave this in, but we had a mishap. So in true Mariah fashion, she re-records the uh, vocals for the throwback remix. I think it works to a better effect um, for, again, the meaningless platitudes of these lyrics. Um, While we were having our technical difficulties, I was just hearing the song in my head reciting the lyrics to you and you're like that's what she says yeah it's bad realize that things are possible be all that you are them go get them get them anyway Uh, um anyway this remix is released to very little fanfare i think i found it just randomly on spotify i think Mm -hmm. spotify just put it in like my new release radar randomly one time yeah so i may have been one of like 10 people to listen to this. Although I read that like this remix was, you know, it was better received by critics. Um, and it did get some club play, but it definitely was not enough to like save it. And obviously this album gets pushed back from 2012 to 2013. And then ultimately 2014, the other things that happened during this period of time that I didn't realize my may or may not play a role in its, failure so mariah carey gets married to nick cannon in 2008 they met on like the set of one of her music videos and um in 2011 is when she gives birth to their twins is that right i don't know sure god this is the this is the problem with me not writing anything down i'm gonna morocco and monroe morocco and monroe monroe named after marilyn monroe Morocco 
Named after like the style of decoration of the hotel room where he proposed. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that part. Something like that. He could, you know, he could have been, they could have named their, sec- their second twin like Pottery Barn or something. <laughs> the second twin Pottery Barn. Rococo, if they'd been in a different hotel. That's, yeah, imagine. Um, anyway, so <laughs> she gets married to Nick Cannon in and around, I think it's 2011 or 2012. Nick Cannon is hospitalized for a kidney infection. Because I think Nick Cannon has lupus, oh. which is something I forgot about him. He has lupus, so he occasionally has these like inflammatory... Uh, medical emergencies that require him to be hospitalized and so nick cannon is hospitalized hospitalized for complications in his kidneys in 2011 or 2012 um whitney houston passes away in 2012 Mm. and in some of the write-ups for like interviews with mariah carey and like talking about the launch of this album eventually i think she makes reference to the fact that like in this period of time that she was writing this song those events were like weighing heavy on her mind Mm -hmm. and so in response you get the lyric uh stay triumphant keep on living it it seems it seems like a weird thing when i read that i was like is that right like is that the the origin story of this song that like you know, your husband and one of your main kind of competitors or rivals in your career your contemporary. are like in peril. Yeah. What is she? A, wait, are you referring mm-hmm. to Whitney Houston as your contemporary? Yes. Her contemporary. I guess they so. were. They were. Uh, they were. It was like the Whitney and the Mariah. Yeah. But Whitney was more. Whitney's a little older. No, yes. She, but I no, just, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, she's, yes. But they were pitted against each other for like a decade. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, is that I always think that like we were given this narrative that they were rivals and that, you know, there was a competition between them and like, um, what was that, uh, that duet that they did when you believe yeah. mm-hmm. Prince of, Prince of Egypt, Prince of Egypt, when they did that and they did, they had that iconic dress moment at like on uh-huh. the MTV, is that the VMAs? It was at the movie awards. I think so. It just rip, rips her dress off. Iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what's funny is I was like. You know, it seems like they had such deep respect for each other and that they probably respected each other a great deal. What I was thinking about when I was thinking about like the rivalry between Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey that we were always given is like when I was watching the Whitney Houston documentary, like the one sanctioned by her family, one of the behind the scenes clips of her in the 80s um, kind of, you know, this is before Mariah Carey hits the scene, the main rivals, I think for Whitney Houston and the ones that she resented the most Mm -hmm. were Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson. (laughs) Like, I think that was a true rivalry. That was like a reckoning of pop music because Mm -hmm. that was like for Whitney Houston, a moment of saying like, wait a second, is this what pop music listeners respect and love? She said, she said something real shady. I think about, I think she was talking about Paula Abdul. She's like backstage in one of her concerts and she's like talking to Sissy Houston being like, but mama, she can't even hold the key. (laughs) Like, why do people like her? (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is Paula Abdul we're talking about. (laughs) So I imagine that like the arrival of Mariah Carey was maybe reassuring to Whitney Houston that like 
no, people, people love singing and dancing a la Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul, but people also still love just singing Mm -hmm. vocal acrobatics. Um, so anyway, back to Mariah Carey. Um, so all this is going on, right? She's got her husband in the hospital. She's got, uh, Whitney Houston has just passed away. Um, strangely, like, I think a lot of people thought that maybe this is a play towards the 2012 Olympics. Oh God. Can you imagine? No. (laughs) What? No. Celine Dion has the power of the dream. And then you, the Mariah Carey comes out with triumphant. She's like, maybe this one. What was the Whitney Houston? Um, one moment in time. Yeah. Iconic. Like how this is not, yeah, this is no one moment in time. No, it's not even one of those. Uh, what was the Gloria Estefan one? (laughs) Oh man. Which quiz- I don't really remember, but yeah, you're quizzing wasn't me even hard. that. No. Um. So yeah, people thought like, oh, is this like an Olympic season thing? It came out a little bit late for the Olympics, but you know, in in the year 2012, it's like, what is this song about? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. But um, one of the other things that happens around this time is that um, Mariah Carey replaces Jennifer Lopez on American Idol for the 12th season of American Idol in this year. Um. She's on the panel with Nicki Minaj. Uh, very famously, Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj did not get along during the production of American Idol. Despite the fact that like they had done a music video together before mm-hmm. that. The one where they're in Barbie doll boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some uh, very shady moments that were captured on film. And in true reality television practice, the producers of American Idol like, broadcast all of that. I think that later... like. You know, Mariah Carey was like really upset with the fact that all of those moments were shown. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think that she thought that that experience was going to be, you know, more about mentoring up and coming artists, discovering new talent, which is like, have you ever watched this show? It's not what happens. No, they spent like nine years trying to convince us that Paula Abdul was like mentally unstable. (laughs) And Paula Abdul just went on that ride. Yeah. Um, But in the course of doing American Idol for that one season, which she is described as being, I think, a traumatic experience for her. She only did that one season. She did not come back for like the series finale when they brought back everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. from the franchise. Um, But she reconnects with Randy Jackson. And around this time, she parts ways with her, the management that she had up to that point. And takes on Randy Jackson as her new manager. And he is tasked with sculpting the trajectory of her career and her next album. And I don't know how I feel about Randy Jackson. I don't know if I really know enough about Randy Jackson. Like, he becomes a really big deal through American Idol in the public eye. Like he's been Mm -hmm. behind the scenes for a long time. He is a a musician who has toured and is on studio recordings for a long time. Um, He had originally met Mariah in the nineties because Mm -hmm. he was working in A&R at Columbia while Mariah was signed to Columbia back when she had her, her original Tommy Mottola deal. Yeah. He played bass. Uh, during her SNL performance of If It's Over, which famously was a song that I redeemed here. And like he's in the background, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just shaking his head. That's like, whoa, you know, like really feeling the bass. <laughs> so I feel like at the time that he got American Idol, he was probably 
well-known within the industry, mm-hmm. not like a household name, but um, in that, like, once he gained that notoriety, once he gained that stardom through American Idol, I was never really sure, like, is this is this guy really, like, a, like a business Svengali type of guy? You know, I feel like yeah. you, you get used to, like, the names get thrown around in terms of, like, sculpting people's careers. People like Benny Medina, right? Mm-hmm. Benny Medina also worked with Mariah, worked with J-Lo, I think worked with, like, Tyra Banks and stuff yeah. on managing their careers and, like, achieving the level of stardom and exposure that they or were that getting. that guy who did, um, Tina, who helped Tina Turner uh, in her comeback period in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so, she gets Randy Jackson on board and... Um, before this album is ever even released, Randy Jackson is like gone from the picture. And then, (laughs) so that's one of the things that happens is like, while this album is getting pushed, she connects with Randy Jackson. Um, later they part ways. They remain great friends. According to all the headlines, it was basically, they had, I think they had to put out this PR statement about like, they remain great friends. Like Randy Jackson, he was never intended to be like her full-time manager. It was just kind of like a transitional phase because she had officially parted ways with her previous management. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to make sure she had someone that they knew had her back, someone that she was comfortable with. And that person was Randy Jackson. But you know, obviously this album is getting pushed back. Something's not working. Jermaine Dupree kind of comes back into the picture as like a main force behind what this album is going to do. And over the course of 2013, 2014, they are recording, re-recording, writing new songs. Things are constantly in and out. Because I think The Art of Letting Go, the song that was supposed to be the title track for this album, that gets released, I think, in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sh- I think that that... I think that that does show up either on the official track listing of this album or at least the deluxe version of this album. But that that single also kind of goes nowhere. And then again, we get hashtag beautiful as like the quote unquote official lead single of this upcoming album. So that's kind of the mythology behind this. And is it mythology or is it just the track, the facts? <laughs> I'm not going to, I am I mean, I wasn't in the room. I'm not going to make any libelous or slanderous statements about things that I did not personally witness, but these are like, you know, this is the story that like people talk about with Mariah Carey because like, again, like this is to me when elusive Chantouse came out was one of the last times that Mariah Carey was met with like a huge amount of expectation. Hmm. Cause we talked about the 2018 album caution in a previous hmm. episode. And I feel like that album came out to very little fanfare. Yeah. Like, I think, cause, yeah, you're right. People were kind of, they're like, well, this is this. We've probably gotten all we can get. Let's, let's temper our expectations for this one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all the way up through elusive Chanteuse, Mariah Carey was getting the level of media attention that like fresh out of the box pop stars get, you know, mm-hmm. all of the, all of the news, like, uh, all of the entertainment news outlets were treating Mariah Carey with like, you know, all of their spotlights up to that point. And so, you know, kind of like the overarching thing, 
kind of the final thing, I guess, for this episode is that question of like, what does it take to sustain a pop music career, a relevant pop music career for over two decades? Because just a reminder that like Mariah Carey debuts in 1990 with Vision of Love. And by the time that Triumphant comes out in 2012, that's 22 years of music from her. Mm-hmm during which time she has continued to produce like pop albums, albums that the expectation was these would be on the pop charts. These aren't going to just sit on like genre charts, like R and B or, you know, or adult contemporary, Um, you know, and what does it take to do that? And who are the other artists that we can look to? Because I was thinking about this in terms of like, from our from our point of view being that like we were kids when Mariah debuted and we've kind of grown up with her music you know what does that look like outside of our own perspective like for Diana Ross to debut in the 60s and then to continue making music into the 80s or Aretha Franklin to be making music in the 60s and then making music in the 80s what what does that look like for people who grew up with you know, Diana Ross or Aretha Franklin, people that are like my mom's age, for example, when suddenly it's the eighties, right? And you're like, oh, this person that I've been living with, living with this person whose music I've been listening to for the past 20 years is still making music. Mm -hmm. How does that look to people that are like our parents' age versus like, how did that look to us? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's, I think what Mariah Carey faces in that 20 year mark is her core fan base is aging up out of pop music. Yeah. Or we should be. I mean, we're obviously not, but we should be (laughs) aging out. And then Mariah Carey is needing, if she wants to remain relevant in pop, she needs to capture the attention of continually like younger and younger people. Or at least be contemporary. Yeah. She needs, right. She needs people her own age, the 12 year olds of America to take interest in her. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a good example on your playlist of um, Aretha and, um, you know, Aretha in the 80s doing Knew You Were Waiting For Me with um, George Michael, which when I like, when I first, when I learned about Aretha Franklin, I, I had learned about her through like oldies radio and I became fascinated. And so like you, you hear respect and you hear all those classic songs of hers from the 60s which really just changed the face of or the direction of r&b um and soul music and um that was what i grew up with and then when i encountered her 80s efforts i'm a child of the 80s early 80s born in 82 and so for a long time like the 80s sound that heavily synthesized kind of I don't want to say tinny, but it's like, you know, it's just mostly synthesized. Right. Yeah. And um, like that, the, the synthesized slick pop production of eighties pop music, easy listening. Well, it wasn't even easy listening. Was it? I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the Aretha stuff, like I'm thinking, I guess, no, it's not. I was like, who's zoom and who is that easy listening? No, I think it was still, but, po- cause that was, but, but I guess even then I didn't really like it at the time because I was too close to that. Like I didn't have any, it didn't work for me. But as I've gotten older and further away from there, I'm like, oh, I actually really do like this. And I love that who's um the Who's Zoom and Who album 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Freeway of Love. Freeway of Love. And there's a song on there, I Knew You Were Waiting. No, no, no. That's the one we're talking about. Um, <laughs> there's another song on there that I really love. Um, but But I listened to this and I'm like, this is good. It sounds good. Like it sounds like other stuff at the time. She found a way and and a partner with George Michael um to kind of do her Aretha-isms, but in a contemporary way. Mm-hmm. Um sort of the way that like a lot of the singers did in the 80s for whatever reason. Like Patty LaBelle had a resurgence in the 80s. Um Cher, Tina Patty Turner. Patty LaBelle kind of went easy listening. She did, but it became, it wasn't necessarily, it was called Quiet Storm and it like. Quiet Storm. But the thing was, was they were incredibly popular. It wasn't just like genre. Like, I mean, it's a genre now and we look at it as like easy listening, but it captured the pop zeitgeist, right? Like that was, that they defined sort of the sound of what we think of as like some of that 80s pop. There's a, it's a particular kind, but um, there was a, there was a lot going on there. And I don't think that Mariah, 20 years in, you know, has captured that. She kind of falls victim to what what each of the artists we've talked about before had done before they switched everything up. They try to do kind of the same thing mm-hmm. or, they're, or, or they do try to update their sound, but they don't work with the right people and doesn't quite hit, doesn't quite connect until something happens and... They really do work with the right person or someone steps in and and is able to really kind of re-energize them and take them in a new direction. So um yeah, Mariah's just interesting. And and even as, as she was my first, she was my first, like my first pop idol. Uh and uh, you know, you talk about like lessening the expectations that you have. I mean, I that definitely happened to me where I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see what it sounds like, right? Cause it's you have to be like, well, I'm not going to expect like big pop anthems in the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, because of Spotify and because of streaming, you have access to so much more music. You don't necessarily like it's very easy for you to kind of stay up to date. Mm-hmm. In a way that I think, like as a music listener, in a way that I think wasn't really possible before and so even though i like i just keep adding to my musical knowledge and adding to my musical experience and so even as a fan for almost 30 years now or over 30 years now like i can appreciate the 30 year stuff but like my expectation of what she should be doing now is different i mean Mm -hmm. she's not meeting that expectation because it's like it's not like i stopped listening to music and it feels like she stopped listening to music (laughs) (laughs) i mean she famously does not know who people are so yeah well that's true and i I I think that's representative of like you know when you know she famously said that about jennifer lopez but like you know andy cohen did this did a whole like does mariah know her segment on which watch what happens live and i think at the time you know, Ariana Grande had recently debuted. A lot of people were referring to her as Mini Mariah. And so Andy Cohen was like, Ariana Grande, like, do you know her? And Mariah was like, I don't know her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it, it sounds shady, but Mariah has always said like, no, like I'm not going to comment on someone if I don't know them personally. Because mm-hmm. she'd be like, yeah, I've met people in passing. I don't, I don't, I don't know them, you know? Yeah. So I have nothing to say about them because whatever. But I feel like that, 
also means that like, yeah, like maybe you should know who Ariana Grande is, you know, and not four years later when you have her featured on your Christmas song, <laughs> you know, cause I think that that was a big deal when it was like, Oh, Ariana Grande and Jennifer yeah. Hudson are on Oh Santa last year. Because I think that per- the perception for, for all the time leading up to that was yeah. that Mariah Carey didn't like Ariana Grande when it really was a, from Mariah yeah. Carey's standpoint yeah. anyway, just a simple, yeah. I don't know her. <laughs> you know? And it, cause I remember there was some place where it might've been either behind the scenes or was it part of like Ariana Grande's documentary where Ariana Grande hears either that Mariah had said something very positive about her or that Mariah Carey expressed interest in working with her. Yeah. And like Ariana Grande was like so excited and you could tell like meant the world to her that like, Oh, like she all these years me. later. <laughs> and I do think, all these yeah, years it is, later. You, you know, you mentioned like, what do they do to sustain a pop career? And I think what you're looking at Mariah doing, as I think about the McDonald's collaboration, you know, that she just came out with for the holidays. And again, you know, her prior to the mm-hmm. pandemic, her Christmas residencies um, in New York, um, transitioning to sort of, this camp figure, <laughs> the camp queen of Christmas. You know what I mean? Where it, <laughs> she becomes part of the popular imagination. She doesn't necessarily have to sing uh, or at least sing in a place where millions of people can mm-hmm. judge her. She can perform just for her most forgiving fans, you know, who are there to see it. She's not necessarily, you know, she's got the Christmas, the classic Christmas album. She never really has to perform it again. The vocals on, she just needs to present it essentially. Um, you know, I think that sometimes I think the thing with Mariah is we don't know if she's in on the joke. Like if she realizes that it's camp, you know what I mean? Like, you know, she was in on the joke when she got on the Stairmaster in, in stiletto heels. I don't know if she was in on the joke when she had that reality show. No, that was bad. Or when, um, when she was sued by her former personal assistant and there was like the peeing peeing yeah. allegations yeah, yeah that was yeah. against her manager her manager and then her personal assistant like sued each other and they all sued each other and um yeah i don't think she was in on the situation. joke of that yeah and, but and that so was, i think it was, she's kind of moved i mean i think like in terms of pr management and career management she has moved into this other era that like allows her to sort of exist in this space where she's neither taken seriously nor not taken seriously she can just kind of exist in like this, uh, am I in on the joke? You know, but also <laughs> still be fabulous, right? Like, it's kind of her thing. And yeah, so I mean. She's just like the diva. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the question is like, is it time for Mariah to rest on her laurels? Is it time to just say like, hey, like, I don't need to create new music. Like, is it better? Is it better to continue creating pop music that less and less people are interested in or is it better to just say like this is my legacy i'm gonna like stand on top of it because her legacy could sustain her Mm -hmm. for the rest of her life she could she could just do residencies of her catalog Mm -hmm. without releasing new music in perpetuity and probably make a ton of money off of that you know Mm -hmm. but one thing that i get the feeling of is that it's at least in part 
her intention to try and continue making new pop music. I mean, I don't know about now because obviously she hasn't had a new album since Caution. Yeah. Um, I don't think you even hear chatter about like her working on new music, but it seems like a lot of her moves more recently, you know, with the, with the release of the rarities album have been to really begin looking back on her career and just highlight how good all of that stuff was. You know, she's really capitalizing on the queen of Christmas again with, as you said, her McDonald's partnership for the holidays. And, um, she did her holiday special last year for, was it Apple TV? Yeah. I think they did another one this year. Yeah. So it's like, you know, is it, is it that time, I guess, you know, cause on the other, on the other, um, side of this playlist where we have Aretha Franklin who had these like great songs in the eighties. I think Tina Turner also had great songs in the eighties. They managed to, you know, reemerge with music that sounded nothing like what they were traditionally known for, mm-hmm. but was like very authentically of the moment. And you like believed it from them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny. Like when I listen to like Ike and Tina Turner shit from like mm-hmm. the sixties and seventies, and then you listen to Tina Turner in the eighties, you're like, wow, this mm-hmm. is like a completely different woman mm-hmm. doing two completely different things. Like very convincing. Believably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Versus, you know, you know, over time we've seen Mariah Carey kind of like not hit the mark with her music, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I was thinking about, you know, as opposed to Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, um, share to a certain extent that have had pop hits that are solid throughout multiple decades. Um, I was thinking about like Janet Jackson, Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson had a, has had a exceptionally long pop career as well, but like she actually released an album called 20 years old on the 20th Mm -hmm. anniversary of her time in the music industry. And that album was terrible. Mm. (laughs) Sorry. That album Mm. was terrible. Um, It had that like Nelly song, uh, Call On Me. Oh. Not a good song for her. And it was, you know, and that was like, um, that was Jermaine Dupri's fault. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she was with Jermaine Dupri at the time. He was uh, producing a lot of her music sculpting the direction that her music was taking at the time and it was terrible well like i said he spent all of his time on mariah yeah hers was better it wasn't (laughs) great but hers was better yeah you know uh madonna i think madonna is notable for like continuing to push herself into the pop echelon of music for multiple decades but you know from her debut in like i think it was 82 or 83 that she did everybody Mm. And I looked at, well, what was she doing two decades later? She released American Life two decades later, which to me is like one of like the low points. Yeah, the neater. Of her pop career. You know, she follows that up with um, Confessions on a Dance Floor, which mm-hmm. is like amazing return to form for Madonna. But even Madonna, you know, is it a thing where somewhere in and about the 20 year mark, it's like a whole generation of people has aged completely out of pop music fandom. And, you know, you have to figure out what to do next. And it's, Mm -hmm. it seems like it would be so easy to get lost. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you stay on top? I I mean, even just with your own musical taste, like how do you, to your point, it's a generation, right? Sorry. It's a generation. And then at some point, you know, there's artists that span those decades and evolve Madonna does that. Cher does that still to a certain extent. I don't. Maybe Cher's not even making music anymore. She did that uh, ABBA. 
Oh, disgusting. She's gonna, terrible. She's gonna do, no, that was fantastic. Disgusting, terrible, on par with Aretha so Franklin's cover so album. No, no, it was so fun. No, it's it terrible. Fun. I mean, not all of the songs were winners. The winner takes it all, Jason. <laughs> but she didn't take it all. She didn't. The it was so bad. Some. I cannot believe. <laughs> no, you know what it was? It, I think because when Cher said she was going to do an ABBA cover album, I thought it would be produced differently. Uh, I think that the version versions that she was doing were too close to the originals. And I wanted something different from her. Yeah, but when Cher does it because her voice is lower, then we can all sing along <laughs> in a way that like you can't really do with the originals. <laughs> no, that I mean, because those ABBA songs are so iconic. Yeah. But I'm like, if you're gonna redo these songs, like you have to. I wanted her. I, I just didn't feel like there was a Cher spin to those songs. I think that's fair. They were still fun though. No, they were not. They were terrible. It's uh, Aretha Franklin doing "Rolling in the Deep." No, gets, that was gets bad. my that gets my uh, seal of approval as compared to Cher's ABBA covers. <laughs> I won't apologize for that. Um, you know, I have some other. I had some other artists on this list that I was kind of thinking about. Jennifer Lopez, who we've talked about, she debuts with "If You Had My Love." Twenty years later, her first single that she released was "Medicine." Nope. Do you know that song? Nope. Do you remember the picture of her where she's wearing three faces and like there's a mask in the center and then she's got two faces kind of yes. sideways? That's the that's the cover for that single. And I know that uh, image. I don't know that song. No. Yeah. Because literally like Jennifer Lopez has been releasing a ton of singles that I feel like no one really gets to hear very widely. So you just uh-huh. have to know that she's releasing stuff. Yeah. Oh, you know, and this one, this one kind of goes back into my... um. 90s alternative vibes is Gwen Stefani you know she's in no doubt they kind of first hit big in 94 with Tragic Kingdom and the song Uh Just a Girl and you know they release three or four albums after that before Gwen Stefani does her solo career with like What You Waiting For and Rich Rich Girl yeah yeah Rich Girl with Eve you know and so you know and she she does this crazy thing where I feel like it's it's wild that she starts out as like a ska band rock vocalist. And then mm-hmm. she starts making like kind of dance pop R and B rap feature music. Uh-huh. She works with Pharrell a lot, I think for her, um, her solo pop music. And, you know, she kind of fades away. And I realized that like in and around the 20th anniversary of tragic kingdom that's when she starts hosting or she becomes one of the judges on the voice famously where she romantically connects with blake shelton but also in that season the other one of the other judges um for that season of the voice was pharrell uh-huh. and i feel like you know, Gwen Stefani hadn't had a lot of music up to that in, in those recent years up to that point. And I think that reconnecting with Pharrell and America's excitement about seeing her on TV again, it kind of spurred this idea that like, oh, like I should reconnect with Pharrell. And, you know, she released two kind of buzzy singles with Pharrell in that year and they didn't go anywhere. And nice. when her album came out later that year, like those singles were nowhere. Cause she, she released a song. The one that I actually did like was baby. Don't lie. I remember the name. I don't remember the song. Yeah. No one remembers that song, but um, you know, again, another artist trying to find themselves 20 years out and figure out like, what's my move. Oh, here's this producer I worked with 
10 years ago yeah to craft some of my greatest pop hits maybe i can recreate that now and you know unfortunately it doesn't work sometimes i think for mariah carey you know some seven years out from reclaiming her success with emancipation of mimi trying to sustain that level of success with jermaine dupree and the song triumphant just didn't work well how many times can you come back right like there's only one share (laughs) i mean kind of to to that extent right even tina turner like came back once yeah but then tina turner but she was able to sustain because she was iconic but like iconic i don't know that i know any tina turner songs from like the last has she been making new music no that's what i mean like not really like she kind of ended in the early 90s and then just kind of like toured yeah toured capitalized on that but that was i mean she i guess she did goldeneye Mm. you know that which is great but you know you find ways to stay relevant but like it really wasn't her she wasn't looking her goal had been to sell out stadiums it wasn't to dominate the chart like it wasn't to like be like what mariah carey was yeah she didn't want to be a pop star she wanted to be a rock star yeah and i mean that's you know it's probably you know been beneficial for tina turner that she has that charisma and energy to fill stadiums because you know for a long time mariah carey wasn't known as a live performer no she was known as the you know it's it was funny because i was reading back about like at every point in mariah carey's career where she's faced criticisms like when she debuted i think there was a lot of skepticism about like can she really sing like this? Is mm-hmm. this really what your voice sounds like? We were coming off of Millie Vanilli Gate at the time. So I think people were starting to be skeptical <laughs> about yeah. music, you know, and then the criticism changed to like, well, why doesn't she tour? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't she, she, I think the first time she toured was for Music Box and she did like a 10 city tour. Yeah. Cause like people thought that she was a studio creation. Yeah. And then it was like, why doesn't Mariah dance? She just stands there holding a microphone. You know, like at yeah. every stage, there was just people waiting to like criticize her for something. You, you know, charm bracelets. Oh, the voice is gone. She's lost her voice. You know, that was there, valid. <laughs> it was by intention. Yeah. Okay. So is PR. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say that, you know, I wonder now. Will we hear new music from Mariah Carey? Um, is she working on stuff or is she ready to settle in to just being like a legend? Right. Tina Turner, Tina Turner. I think someone has convinced her that that is the track for her now. Like you look at Tina Turner and someone that, you know, everyone knows who she is. Everyone knows some songs by Tina Turner. Um, she's not always in the limelight which I think has been to her benefit, right? Like, I feel like it makes you hit certain points where like, what is Tina Turner doing right now? (laughs) And she came out with that documentary, right? And people were really excited about that Tina Turner documentary. Did you see it? I did not. Oh, it is so good. But she, she announced goodbye. Yeah. And so that to me is like, you know, it leaves you with the, the best possible feeling Mm -hmm. when you feel like someone went out on their own terms. It's like, Mm You know, when your favorite TV show gets the finale that it deserved versus being yanked out of, you know, yanked out of prime time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's like the last thing you want for someone like Mariah Carey, for it to be like she went out like this and she is still trying to get your attention. Like, I think that would be the worst possible move. 
for Mariah Carey is to continue to try and capture pop music attention mm-hmm. at the risk of just, you know, leaving leaving fans with that being the last thing that they heard from her, mm-hmm. you know? Because even like Janet Jackson, like, you know, Janet Jackson was continuously going on pop music. But when Janet Jackson disappeared, I feel like people were really thirsty for like something from Janet Jackson. Yeah. And so when she came out of um her her last marriage to the uh yeah the saudi billionaire no he was saudi qatari i think qatari billionaire you know people were ready like you have to it's 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 like the the gypsy rose lee kind of like you got to give him a little bit but not too much and then you got to keep him wanting more i feel like mariah has yet to master that no she never no (laughs) she's not really that elusive no (laughs) ironic yeah well, we made it full circle. We did. Mariah Carey, the not so elusive chanteuse. No. This is a really long one, too. I but, no, we, we, we paused. Here. That's right. It's, oh my god, we, we went we went we almost went to the end of our time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that. So Jason, that's that's about all I have to say. Uh listeners, check out the vintage throwback remix of Mariah Carey's Triumphant. Oh fuck. What? I forgot to mention this. The the and this will be the last thing I say, but the reason, one of the main reasons that I like this Mariah Carey throwback remix is that back in the day, there was a DJ called DJ copy that was releasing bootleg remixes Mm. of um, like diva songs. Mm -hmm. And so there is a DJ copy remix album called like the diva album. And there's like a TLC remix. There's a Mariah Carey remix. Um, there's a Destiny's Child remix on there. But I was in a store in San Francisco, and this was like years ago. And they were playing this version of Emotions by Mariah Carey. And I was like sitting there. I was like, what is this bizarre version of Emotions? I was like, I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. And it was this DJ Copy remix of Emotions. And it shares this like lo-fi synthesizer track to it that... When I heard the triumphant throwback remix, it immediately triggered that memory in my mind where I was like, oh, there's this really cool emotions remix by DJ Copy. Um, if I can find the YouTube video, I'll share it on our website this week. Um, but yeah, it was just like an example of to me, like how cool Mariah Carey's music could sound. Mm. So I'll, I'll, I'll end it with that, which was a bad way to end it. But again, I was entirely unprepared. Um, well, yeah, thanks. Thank you. And we would like to give a special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Um, And rate us on Spotify now that that is a uh, capability. Please. Check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. And email us, as always, at flopredeemer at gmail.com. Yeah. Do it. (laughs) Thank you. Happy New Year.